0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Hope Recovered Podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Amy. And today we are going to talk about what happens when life doesn't go. The way we want it to. Mhm. It seems like we've had a lot of that lately, haven't we?
1: We have, and actually today's one of those days for me. It seems like I was just kinda cut off at every turn mm-hmm. and things would not cooperate <laughs> and I was trying to leave and I had to be late and, you know, all these kinds of things. And those may seem like small things and they are, but they can accumulate mm-hmm. and you know, you just kinda feel like, ah, what you know what's it all for and you can get really frustrated and it just kind of made uh, us we were talking Kristen and i were talking about this before we started recording and we were just talking about how life just happens mm-hmm. and how it really can be dangerous for your recovery
0: absolutely and you know i was actually talking about this with a friend last night and they mentioned you know 2020 was rough yeah and I think for a lot of reasons, even outside of the pandemic, because we added all of those small things mm-hmm. on top of this collective trauma. Yes. And this new way of life and this fear and you know, we're keeping up with the news more and we're mm-hmm. dealing with this political situation and the mm. pandemic and but then on top of that, we have these daily stressors: the work stress. Am I, am I working from home? Am I getting a new routine? Are my kids at home? Mm-hmm. And twenty twenty one hasn't been much better for a lot of people. A lot of us no. kind of <laughs> expected. Oh, you know, we made the jokes of twenty twenty was just a terrible year. So come New Year's, we're expecting thing. You know, the the switch to flip Mm -hmm. and it doesn't work that way you know we have experienced this collective trauma so what does that mean for people in recovery how do we plan for things like a global pandemic or turbulent political season or you know an animal having to go to the vet (laughs) right my morning yay Um, I think
1: the first thing that we just have to understand is that there is no little switch that flips on anything I think we want that to be true and it feels so good when you enter into recovery and you're so proud you know that you've come through treatment and uh, maybe you are graduating from a transitional living situation or you've joined a celebration recovery group or you found the rooms and people who understand you and AA or NA and it just feels like okay everything's coming up roses now and then you know when you have that mindset the first thing that hits you hits you hard Mm -hmm. and you know I always have to remind myself that my emotions are really fueled by my expectations so, if I expect that everything's just going to be fine, you know, now that I'm on this new medication and it's working, or now that I found that therapist, or now that I'm in um, this program or whatever, um, it's just not, that's very unrealistic. Um, and so, I think the first step is for us to just understand that life is still going to happen. Mm-hmm. And that might, I mean, you know, the degree to which life happens and what that looks like for us. It, There are parts of that that are out of our control. And thats I think that's the part that we really hate. Um, But the good news is there are parts of that that are under our control as well.
0: And, you know, when we talk about life just happening, some of that is our response to life happening and what is going to affect us. So Amy and I may be in the same situation, and that may be um, a real challenge for her recovery, but it doesn't bother my anxiety. Mm Mm-hmm. Or you know, vice versa. I may be in a situation that gives me a panic attack, and Amy may not be bothered by it. And we have to really understand ourselves and what are our triggers. Yes. And that word gets thrown around a lot, but it really is. You know, when we when we talk about triggers, it's those people, places, and things, mm-hmm. or situations that really challenge our emotional well-being. Absolutely. And, and that could also be a challenge to recovery.
1: Mhm. I want to I want to love on that word triggers because people I think it's been used so much that sometimes people are like, oh, triggers. That's an empowering word. That's not an excuse word. What that is, is a word that says, I know my danger zones. I know what might threaten my recovery. And I have the power to avoid those situations. Self-knowledge is Mm -hmm. a huge key here.
0: Absolutely. So
1: first, expect that things are going to happen and go Mm -hmm. wrong second really know yourself like Kristen was talking about and again you know it's okay if your trigger is different than my trigger and Mm -hmm. it's okay if your trigger is really weird yeah because we're all very unique and memory is a funny thing and what i choose to remember you know connected to my use or what tends to set me off in terms of my symptoms with my diagnosis, you know, is really uniquely my own. And I've been talking to Kristen a lot actually lately about it being summertime and all the billboards with the margaritas and the pineapple-y drinks and all of that stuff, beach trips and barbecues. These are things that are danger zones for me because, you know, a lot of my use, um, fun things that I remember, not the dark things. And we tend to have selective memories. Let me just say that, but they're associated with that kind of thing. And um, you know, I've I've caught myself looking at those billboards and being pretty thirsty. You know, but I'm talking about it. So another thing is, you know, what are some of the coping mechanisms too? Right. What do we have ready for those situations? And mine is not not allowing myself to hide mm-hmm. because I am ashamed. I will t- say that out loud. I'm ashamed that when I see those billboards, I'm thirsty. Mm-hmm. I want the margarita. I really don't necessarily want the alcohol, I don't think. I don't want that, imp- that effect. Mm-hmm. But I want the fun. <sighs> right. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Uh, thank goodness, you know, I see that it. Really isn't fun, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I and I need to find the fun parts, and you know, I was talking to Kristen about it, I've talked to my husband about it. Kristen gave me some really good ideas. She suggested that I find something that can bring the fun that's kind of like it, but not with alcohol so
0: and you know some of that is when you talk about it, you get those ideas and you put it out into the light, and you're not sitting in that shame mm-hmm. and beating up on yourself and things like that but you know may not think okay well it's about the alcohol get a margarita mix if you like the taste of margaritas right put ginger ale in it instead of alcohol and then that's something fun you can do with your kids even and and it's just a fun summer thing and it doesn't have to revolve around alcohol and so you know that was kind of some of the things we had talked about but i mean maybe it's you know something different i notice a lot of times, that when I have stress that adds up, it's kind of the slippery slope with my mm-hmm. anxiety. And we used to do this activity um, with some of the clients I would work with at a residential facility. And we would cut out a spiral and, you know, take the big end and it goes down to the small end. Mm-hmm. And they would write things a- along that spiral as it went down. And they could hang it up in their room and look at it. And it was a really fun visual. For me of what, you know, what happens, you know, specifically with my anxiety and something I noticed this week and I've I've kind of been talking about, I start noticing things about my thought patterns, Mm -hmm. um, where they go, what I'm focusing on, even small things, the state of my car, how many empty cups are in my car. (laughs) Um, And right now that's not a great number (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. or it is great if you count the word great as large. (laughs) Um. So, you know, things like that and even, you know, kind of silly things that I can look at and say, oh, yeah, my car is pretty messy. My plants aren't watered. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got boxes on my carport those little things, but when I can observe that Mm -hmm. and kind of ask myself where that's coming from, and it's generally a place of being overwhelmed, of not having the energy to grab that extra cup as I leave, um, or of being so hurried Mm -hmm. that I'm eating a lot of fast food, and it ends up in my car. And I actually had a conversation with a friend this week of oh, when I have thoughts like this, I typically have a panic attack within the week. And and it was kind of odd for me to say that because you don't plan panic attacks. They generally are something that happened to you. Mm-hmm. And once I recognized that, I was able to plan some things that weekend that really, I mean, I haven't had that panic attack. Mm-hmm. And I have been able to kind of subvert that and really kind of focus on some self-care and things like that but and and thankfully I have this friend who can really call me out on that too or at least be that safe space for me to say that and so it was kind of a really empowering experience for me to recognize that and then do things to counter it especially with panic attacks and that feel because it's it feels Mm -hmm. so
1: powerless absolutely I I want to cheerlead for you right now. That is so awesome. And I hope that if you're listening to this, you understand that while Kristen is super, she does not have superpowers. She just knows herself. And she's developed this ability to be aware. And she sees her patterns. So she can predict when she
0: might have a panic attack, which is phenomenal. You can do that too. And I have wonderful people who will call me out like last night this same friend said, hey, you're going to run yourself into the ground if you don't get a, Get more rest. Mm-hmm. Go to bed. Yes. Because they recognize those patterns with me. And when you're open with people about what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're doing, mm-hmm. then other people can see those patterns if, even if you can't. Right. And then once other people point them out to you, then you can start to recognize them. And this isn't something I developed, you know, when I got my anxiety diagnosis. Okay, I have anxiety. now. Now I can you know, go out of my way to not have panic attacks or, mm-hmm. you know, do all of these things to avoid triggers or things like that. No, this is something that has developed over the last five or six years that I have noticed these patterns in myself. And and when, you know, my thoughts start going down a certain path or when I feel like I have less control over my thoughts, and that typically leads to a panic attack. Mm-hmm. And so, and then I also have to learn, well, what keeps me from having a panic attack? What are those mm-hmm. things that are beneficial? And then we have the opposite of the downward spiral. We have the upward spiral. Mm-hmm. What are some things you do that show you that you're healthy? You know, some of that is just spending some time with friends for me. And, and also spending time alone, being okay spending time alone. I spent a lot of time this weekend baking. And I ended up with way too many cookies. <laughs> and I was the beneficiary, so I'm <laughs> grateful for that. <laughs> but it was a, you know, it was one of those things where I could feel productive I could get out of my head a little bit and focus on okay. Well, if I put this amount of baking soda, what's it going to do to the cookie? Or if I bake it at this temperature, how's it going to differ? And for me, that's a that's one of those things that just kind of help clear out my mind. And for you, it may be something completely different. Baking may stress you out. Um, it may be meditation or yoga or running. Or I can't run. <laughs> um, I am not that person. If someone chasing you me, <laughs> if you are but things like that and so you like amy said it's just one of those things you have to know yourself Mm -hmm. it's a little scary sometimes to take the time to get to know yourself
1: it is and it's something that we totally undervalue and we feel is very selfish maybe we don't want to focus on ourselves but that is such a powerful thing you know to develop that awareness and it is absolutely necessary and it's absolutely strong and it's absolutely adaptive for you to take the time to watch your patterns. You said scary, and that made me think of something that I thought a minute ago that maybe somebody will relate to. You know, you have this really close friend group. You, you guys are each other's caretakers, and you know each other so well, but we don't all have that. Right. Um, and I remember there were some years that were really hard Um, in terms of me feeling like I could be intimate and reach out to people and especially share things around my mental health, definitely share things around my uh, recovery. And so um, I just want to add in there, too, that, you know, you can find safety in numbers and fellowship in recovery groups as well, and those are safe places that might feel a little less complicated and messy to those of you who are still kind of walking that yeah. road back to intimacy. Because trauma and, uh, you know, all the things, all the things um, typically make it harder for us to trust people. And... Um, I just I can't say enough about some of the amazing recovery programs that we have and the safety and it's sort of like a training ground for outside personal relationships, in my view. You know, once you kind of get a handle on sharing in those groups and everybody else is doing it, too, um, you're with like minded people and people who really get it, then it makes it a whole lot easier to be vulnerable and transparent and honest with your family members and friends.
0: Right, and that's really the point of having a sponsor. Um, so when you're in those recovery groups and, mm-hmm. and things like that, your sponsor is your person you can just be vulnerable with, and they know what it's like because they've had a sponsor too. Um, and if and I, you know, know how scary it is for me within those close relationships to be vulnerable like that. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can't imagine, you know, trying to do that with someone new, or you know, it takes practice being vulnerable. Absolutely. And it's hard. Um, and I hope that if you're able to do that, you're met with compassion. Yes. Because I know not everyone is and, and may have some trauma and that you opened up to someone and, and weren't met with compassion. And so I hope that you are able to find a safe place to do that. But again, it is about safety and we, we kind of scoff or at least I have seen a lot of People who may scoff at people wanting a safe place or, you know, um, content warnings or trigger warnings, you know, this. But really, I think where that mocking comes from is we don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Um, And we call people snowflakes because they're asking for that. But really, I think that's what we all want. Absolutely. We want to be vulnerable and intimate with people. And so when people ask for that safety and that intimacy, we, we get defensive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Well, who are you to, you know, because that's scary and it's hard and it's, well, who are you to ask for that? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think once we recognize that we're all scared of vulnerability and we're all scared of intimacy in a lot of the same ways, and it's scary because we're putting a part of ourselves out there and mm-hmm. risking rejection or risking harm, we can really, recognize and be compassionate towards other people, because we see how hard that is.
1: Absolutely. And it's something that is so necessary for resilience. You, you have to be able to create and maintain intimate relationships. To be known is a superpower. Because, you know, Kristen's friend can't say, Kristen, you need more rest, if she's not invited into Kristen's life. So she's losing a resource if she doesn't have that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing, you know. If we just feel like we can't share at group, you know, at least you, maybe you can listen to other people sharing and learn some things. But there's no substitute for finding the strength within yourself to be open. And so I don't like oh, it just make I don't like that snowflake stuff now. Mm-hmm. You're gonna make me mad <laughs> um, because it's just totally uncompassionate. Yeah. I don't think that's a word but I that's It is now. Yeah, it is cuz I made it one. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, the commonality of that issue, I mean, you know, if you're human, you don't like to be vulnerable. Period. So being intimate is a very necessary part of being ready for life. You know, having a tribe, and it doesn't have to be a million people. I mean, you can have one, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just some other person. Sometimes we're so isolated, and maybe we can't even help that necessarily. There are at least crisis lines right? that we can call, and we'll have some of that information at the end of the show. Um, I know Kristen always posts those things, and... Um, you know, sometimes we just need to reach out and have somebody listen to us. That is such a strong move. Um, it just, I, don't, I wish our culture didn't teach us that it was weak to ask for help. Because yes. it just is not. <laughs> it's strong, especially when you think about what we've just been talking about, you know, the barriers and obstacles to reaching out. You have to find that strength within yourself or you find that strength without, you know, external. If you are a spiritual person, you know, um, nourishing your relationship with God and he can give you strength to do all things. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely a necessary part of that.
0: So I want to come back around to kind of where we started this conversation. And we're talking about just being prepared for when things don't go well mm-hmm. um, and how do we protect our recovery in that and how do we plan for things that maybe you know we, we can't really plan for tragedy but mm-hmm. when things happen what is our plan for protecting our recovery mm-hmm. and one thing i want to bring up is there is a training called wellness recovery action plan or it's shortened to wrap And it is a self-designed prevention and wellness tool that you can use to get well and stay well for anyone, anytime, any of life's challenges. So it's not just substance use. And it is a really awesome training because it helps you on your own develop this plan. we're talking about getting to know yourself. Mm -hmm. And you, I mean, you take the time to get to know yourself and develop a plan. So part of it includes discovering simple, safe wellness tools, those coping mechanisms we're talking about. Develop a list of things to do every day to stay as well as possible. Mm -hmm. So that maintenance and that daily working on your recovery.
1: You are worth it. Mm -hmm.
0: Identify upsetting events, early warning signs, and signs that things have gotten much worse. Using wellness tools, develop action plans for responding. So those slippery slopes, you identify them, but not only do you see, okay, yeah, that's dangerous. That's my danger zone. Then what? What? Mm -hmm. You have a plan, right? You create a crisis plan and you create a post crisis plan. So and I'm going to link to all of this in the show notes to look through because I know it's a lot to take in, especially if you're not an auditory learner. And and it's a lot to take in and retain. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I think everyone should have a wrap, you know, a wellness recovery action plan, because we all have different spectrum of wellness, um, Mm -hmm. whether it's I mean, we all have mental health. We've talked about that in the past, but we also can also have different forms of mental illness and it may not be something that's diagnosed, but it's a spectrum really. And so we all get stressed. We Mm -hmm. all have difficult times. And so even if you don't have something that's diagnosable, like my anxiety or a substance use disorder or Something that you may say, yes, I'm living in recovery. I mean, I think it's so beneficial for everyone to just know their danger zones, know that slippery slope and what's going to cause more difficulty and more stress. Um, We talk about burnout a lot in Mm -hmm. the mental health field and self-care. And, you know, we're really the worst on that. (laughs) Um, We'll teach about it all day long, but Mm -hmm. you, you can't hardly find us doing it. That's right. And so... You know, I think it is such a cool program that we can work with people to develop this plan and how versatile it is to any situation
1: absolutely i love rap it's really just about being the best you you can be and just deciding that you're worth putting pen to paper and actually having some goals and some plans that relate to your overall well-being And it can, like Kristen said, it really can be related to anything. If there's something that you just don't like, a habit you have that you just are really trying to change. And, you know, the RAP plan will help you look at that in a very complete way and anticipate the situations that are more difficult for you. I'm thinking about my tendency to eat in the most unhealthy way possible basically and involves Sonic a lot and some other (laughs) places where ice cream and fat salty things live you know but if I want to get serious about that I could do a rap plan for that and I could think about you know um, when am I more likely to stop by and I know I've thought that through you know but but the beauty of rap is putting pen to paper you know or filling out the form online or whatever there's
0: actually an app now i just found. is there Ooh, um, me so i want it to- uh download the app wellness recovery action plan um you know we're not sponsored or anything mm-hmm. I but i will shamelessly plug them because it's such an amazing program
1: it really is and i hope that um, some of you guys will just check it out at least you know this podcast is for everybody mm-hmm. because all human beings have stuff right And we want you to be the best person that you can be, the best you that you can be, uh, because you're worth it. And we really do care. And speaking of that, I want to put in a little plug for interaction, because as we talk through these things, you know, we're always thinking about you. Sometimes we feel like we're just kind of talking into the void and we're choosing the topics, but we really want to invite you guys to talk back to us and to let us know what you think about what we've said or just give us your personal experiences, suggest topics, You know, just participate in this conversation because you are the reason that we're doing this because we talk to each other all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, We don't have to record what we're saying and we benefit from that fellowship, but we would love to, for this conversation to be two ways. So Kristen at the end will tell you all the ways that you can participate, but we'd really, really love to hear from you, and invite you to be a part of our little community. Yes,
0: please, and we want to talk about things that y'all want to talk about too. Um, you know, we end up talking a lot of times about things that are coming up for us, and right? So, you know, that's kind of where this conversation is coming from. But you know, we want to hear from y'all. So as you know, we kind of consider one thing I wanted to bring up as we're talking about slippery slopes and things like that. I do a lot with the Enneagram, and I think about that a lot, and I know that's not for everyone, and that's okay if it's not, but if you know your Enneagram type, one of my favorite things about the Enneagram and how I like to use it is the levels of health. So I'm going to read from a type two because that is Amy and I's type. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you're a type two and you may um, identify with some of this, I know I do, but there are, they call it levels of development. So we're going to start with the healthiest at their best. A type two becomes deeply unselfish, humble, and altruistic, giving unconditional love to self and others. And they feel it as a privilege to be in the lives of others. At level two, and the further we go, the more unhealthy we get, They are empathetic, compassionate, feeling for others, caring and concerned about their needs, thoughtful, warm-hearted, forgiving, and sincere. Level three, encouraging and appreciative, able to see the good in others. Service is important, but takes care of self too. They are nurturing, generous, and giving, a truly loving person. So those are healthy levels. At average levels, we have level four. They want to be closer to others, so they start people-pleasing. Becoming overly friendly, emotionally demonstrative, and full of good intentions about everything. They give seductive attention, approval, strokes, flattery. Love is their supreme value, and they talk about it constantly. Mm. Level five, become overly intimate and intrusive. They need to be needed, so they hover, meddle, and control in the name of love. Want others to depend on them, give but expect a return, send double messages enveloping and possessive the codependent self-sacrificial person who cannot do enough for others wearing themselves out for everyone creating needs for themselves to fulfill Mm -hmm. level six increasingly self-important and self-satisfied feel they are indispensable although they overrate their efforts in others behalf hypochondria becoming a martyr for others overbearing Patronizing and presumptuous. Those are our average levels. These last three are unhealthy levels. Level seven can be manipulative and self serving, instilling guilt by telling others how much they owe them and make them suffer. They abuse food and medication to stuff feelings and get sympathy. They undermine people making belittling, disparaging remarks. They are extremely self deceptive about their motives and how aggressive and or selfish their behavior is. Level eight, they are domineering and coercive. They feel entitled to get anything they want from others through payment of old debts, money, or sexual favors. Level nine, they are able to excuse and rationalize what they do since they feel abused and victimized by others and are bitterly resentful and angry somatization of the aggressions results in chronic health problems as they vindicate themselves by falling apart and burdening others. Generally corresponds to histrionic personality disorder and factitious disorder.
1: I'm so glad that you brought that up because the Enneagram is just one example of personality inventories. That's kind of a I don't think that adequately describes what the Enneagram is, but it's generally in the ballpark. Um, you know, those are really good things to kind of use to explore yourself. And I love that one, too, because I love that kind of spectrum where you can kind of see yourself. It's it's another way for you to go, mm, what are some red flags? It's kind of like Kristen's Cups. You know she sees those cups well she can stand back kind of and evaluate her relationships too what am i asking from people Mm -hmm. what am i expecting from people what am i wanting from people and sometimes that is um well often it is a good indicator of our mental well-being and maybe if we're heading in a bad direction or if we're maintaining or if we're growing And and going in a good direction. And so um, I think it's awesome that she shared that with you guys. And there are others, too. But I do want to caution us. Please be careful because, you know, some of the little personality things out there are just not validated by research. And they're not very good. Um, But really, you know, we don't have to get overly complicated. Um, You know, just find tools to get to know yourself um, and figure out what it looks like when you're functioning well. And where you'd like to go, even.
0: And you may not relate to any or all of those descriptions in one sense. You may relate to more. It's, it's kind of a spectrum. But I think it's a kind of a broad example of what a slippery slope is. Mm-hmm. And so we talk about what it looks like to be healthy. And then we talk about, I mean, even some of those changes were very small. And, and maybe motivation-wise but to even if you know your Enneagram type, read through those, see where you identify. Mm-hmm. You know, because we're not all gonna identify as most healthy or average all the time, even. And and our motivations can change and our levels of health change and it can, you know, just be a good example of where to start thinking about slippery slopes. I'm not saying Enneagram's the answer or anything like that. But I wanted to give that as an example
1: mm-hmm. because
0: it was kind of one of those first things that I was able to, to think of and say, okay, now this is what happens when I become unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And now I can watch out for that because I know it.
1: Right. And let me piggyback on something you said as far as um, things changing. We can never forget that human beings are dynamic. And that means that we're always changing and growing. I mean, we are us and there's some stability in that. But we grow and we regress and that's natural Mm -hmm. so you know as you kind of get to know yourself and you think about your triggers and slippery slopes and danger spots and um, you know work on those expectations and anticipate difficulties and all that that stuff um, just realize that this is definitely an ongoing process and give yourself grace um, and also give yourself space to change your mind about what works and what doesn't and expect that maybe some of the things that are working great right now may lose their power mm-hmm. because you might be different the next time you encounter whatever hurdle it is that you're facing. And um, again, that is totally normal. That's natural because we are always changing. Our brains reorganize every time we experience something new. And it's just amazing. There's There are cells that are connecting in ways they've never connected before. Um, In your brain, when you're talking to a new person or ordering something different off the menu, you're just always shifting and reorganizing, which is a really fun, amazing thing. And I don't want you to get frustrated by that. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had conversations with lots of people who get frustrated because, well, this used to work and now it's not working anymore. Well, you're not the same you that you were last year when this happened. You're the you that you are now. Um, that's not to say that you can't get to know yourself because there is definitely stability there, and that's what we're talking about. but I just want you to be ready for the possibility that you know you've grown and you've changed, and maybe you need to shift gears a little bit and open your mind to some other solutions from time to time,
0: yeah, absolutely. so with that, you know, I kind of wanna just talk about you know what are some things that are practical? what do we do when you know, we've got our, our action plan, but what's on it? What are some of those actionable steps that we can take to be healthier? It's for me, you know, some of that is to, to rest more, take care of my body, make sure I'm eating healthily, drinking water, less coffee, as much as I hate to say it. Boo. <laughs> um, less coffee, more water. Or, you know, if I drink coffee, just drink more water too. hmm <laughs> um, mm-hmm. That's generally what ends up happening. Um, make sure I'm taking my medication and having that refilled and, mm-hmm. you know, not adding more challenges by having to to go without for a couple of days. Amy, you want to add a, anything to mm-hmm. that? Or?
1: There are some things, some little coping mechanisms you can keep in your pocket that just tend to work fairly consistently because they work with your bodies natural flow and the way your body is built and set up to function one of those is deep breathing i use it all the time i constantly pull that one out um, you know, I'll breathe in for a count of four, I'll, breathe, I'll hold it for a count of four, I'll breathe out for a count of four, and I just continue to do that until my brain gets the message that I am calm. Even if I cognitively do not think I'm calm, deep breathing will convince my brain that I am, and it will combat anxiety for me. Um, and that's just, you know, it's the way your brain is set up, and sometimes we have to something like drink out of a bottle of water to engage in that deep breathing um it's just you know it's about having these things kind of in your pocket and ready i also use lots of post-it notes i post scripture i post little notes to myself Um, i wear jewelry that has messages on it Um, i'll pick a particular bracelet Or necklace for a particular day if I know I'm facing certain things Um, you know it's really it can be as quirky and goofy as you want it to be Um, or just you know mundane and you can find tons of these little coping mechanisms um, online you can work with a therapist to develop these which is really really helpful or you can even talk it over with a friend you know, or somebody that you trust in your family, and, um, you know, sometimes our acquaintances even seem to know us better than we know ourselves, or they can validate some things for us. As an example, I might think, oh, you know, folding laundry is so soothing. I'm going to put that in my wrap, and my husband would go, uh, no, you don't like that, (laughs) (laughs) that would aggravate you you won't do it Um, and he's right you know or if I said I would run you know Kristen I made it very clear earlier we don't do that (laughs) if something's chasing me I might Um, so it wouldn't work for me to stick that in my rap plan so be practical and also be realistic about what you choose to do
0: yeah and I think you know it can be something as simple as like Amy said deep breathing or drinking water, that's a huge thing for my anxiety. If I drink a glass of ice water when I'm really anxious, just kind of sip on it, kind of resets my brain a little bit. And and our brain does weird things with when we have anxiety because we go into the survival and um, fight or flight. And so what ice water does for me is it tells my brain that it I feel safe enough to consume something. And so it kind of makes it question that fight or flight. And so that, you know, something like that, or it can be, you know, something a little bit more complex, like meeting with a sponsor or going to therapy or, you know, something that may take a little bit more planning beforehand. Um, So I definitely encourage you all to check out um, some of these resources we're going to put in the show notes with uh, wellness recovery action plans and different meetings and things like that, and really think about what would work for you. Um, we'd love to hear it. If you found things that work for you, comment on social media, send us a message, leave us a review in pot our, in your podcasting platform. We want to hear from you. We want to engage with you. Um, let us know what you want us to talk about. You can, I mean, again, send us a private message on social media. If you don't want to post publicly for others to see, uh, our social media is at hope recovered on Instagram and hope recovered on Facebook. So we're really easy to find. We'll have a post go out with this podcast when it goes live. Um, just for discussion. Let's, let's engage and uh, start up some conversation and communication. And build a community around what we're talking about. That's really our goal. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. So yeah, thanks for joining us. I hope this conversation has been helpful. Um, and I hope that you... We're able to take something out of our little bit of a crazy morning, because um, that's kind of just our goal: is that we can have compassion for one another and and help each other to become more healthy, to be our best selves, um, to live in recovery from whatever it is that we struggle with. Um, so, with that, I mean, we just want to leave you as we always do with a reminder that we, we do, do recover. recover.